Hello and welcome to yet another awesome episode of Living in Heaven Lion City. Uh, I forgot what I wanted to say. You also haven't done this in quite some time, huh? Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> I'm kind of like going through content that I recorded like m- months ago. So I know. Yeah, I took a break in between. But yeah, okay. Um, so, you know, hello, welcome to uh, yet another awesome for Living in Heaven City. Um, with me here. Um, our two friends who are going to talk about the metal scene in Singapore. Hi, Thomas. Hi. How's Welcome. it going, boys? Welcome for the third time. I think. Thanks yeah. for having me. <laughs> Welcome, Michaela. For- hey, how are you doing? <laughs> yeah. So we've been trying to record this for um, a couple of times over the last couple of months. And- <laughs> no, we've been meaning to record this for the last couple of years. Yeah, uh, we got together to finally do it about a year ago. And then here we are. And then, you know, COVID happened. And- <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, once again, thanks, guys, for coming. Um, so, like, the what I wanted to understand about the metal scene was that um, let's uh, let's set some uh, background. Um, I've been a casual fan of metal music. You know, I, I do enjoy the you know random metal song and stuff like that. And um, especially coming from India, which has a fairly big metal scene, um, at least in Bangalore, where I used to live in. Um, you know, it is just something that everybody. Uh, you know, loved, uh, there was always a metal gig happening every other week. Um, and it was fairly popular, you know, especially among the young, um, you know, yuppie crowd, I, I would say. Uh, since moving to Singapore, I've seen there's a distinct lack of the metal scene. Um, what are your guys' takes on it? Yeah, I'm coming from Czech Republic and I have the same experience. And it's a well-developed underground culture or like a counter mainstream culture uh-huh. and coming to Singapore uh, you know find the lack of it disturbing across all levels just not uh, metal but the metal is the one I'm most versed in so I guess I'm at least somewhat somewhat qualified to talk about it <laughs> okay okay uh, Michaela what's what yeah it's very small um interestingly it's mostly working class I would say you said that in India it's more like a yuppie community uh, in in I would say that in Bangalore um I, I think uh, metal is popular across, um, you know, a large section of society. Um, I would say that like a lot of metal bands started off as raging against the system, right? So there was a lot of uh, very uh, all the songs were had like political messages to it. It was all about you know fuck the system. It was all about you know that anti-establishment bent, um, and then over time that became super popular, and then. Then it started becoming, you know, for the lack of a better word, it was being co-opted by, you know, the younger, richer crowd who could, you know, go to these concerts. Right. Uh, and it was kind of considered cool um, to wear a metal T-shirt and say that, you know, I'm part of. Um, is is that something like you got, you know, the the fashion icons and like Kardashians or uh, that, that crowd wearing like Iron Maiden Metallica T-shirt with like ten thousand dollar Gucci gear? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it would be close to that. I mean, yeah, India, that's, so that, that's weird like stuff, man. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that was, I mean, like <laughs> well, the start. Yeah, the start has always been uh, one of anti-establishment, and then over time, like with anything that's popular. You know, a lot of people want to be associated with it. And um, I dare say that, like, once again, you know, as someone who has worked in the tech industry over there, um, it was kind of like, hey, I'm more than just someone working in tech. I'm an anti-establishment, you know, metalhead. So there was there was that thing, too. You yeah, know? yeah so for sure. It was very much tied to, like, going against the grain and stuff like that. And whereas in Singapore, I find, oh, OK, that's... Well, I guess that's that. what 
attracts people into metal more or less everywhere when at least when they start listening to it the, the rebellion um the anti-establishment yeah yeah that's like my question i wanted to ask you guys like how, how did you find find metal like what was your first experience how you got into it it was like for me it was like partially i just liked the music when i first time heard like distorted guitar riffs and uh you know double ba double kick bass on drums just like it's energizing me like i'm duracell bunny yeah <laughs> you know keep keep me energized but at the same time i enjoyed like the anti you know anti-mainstream i'm going against the grain against the you know against the crowd but i was like you know 16 or 15. Yeah, <laughs> so we are at that age yeah well, so that that goes with the anti-establishment message pretty well uh, for me i think uh how i discovered metal was i think this was around 2003 or 2004 like back in the day of course you know computers still had floppy disks and stuff like that so there was this guy who had a hard disk full of music and he would go around you know so we, you know we would invite him to our homes and stuff like that and he would like fix that hard disk onto our computers and he had like a whole bunch of songs and because of which literally everyone in our uni had the same collection of music you know because he yeah. was the guy like um so admittedly at the time it uh, you know music distribution especially for you know international music in india uh, wasn't that let's say uh, popular and of course you know it's always been dominated by bollywood and film music uh in in india so like for us that was our exposure to um uh english music international music and subsequently metal so yes it was that hard disk by that one guy <laughs> yeah. props to you sajish <laughs> yeah trading tapes man back in the day i kind of miss, miss that like tapes or cds or you know you got the um the mp3 players mm. when it started like we were trading that instead of the hard drives yeah it's like you, you, you could put, put more music in it and you could like uh you know uh upload to it and uh, delete from it whereas when you like burn out the cd that's it you are done yeah, yeah. even if it was like data instead of music so you could you know well, that's, that's the cool way songs. of getting into metal exchanging yeah. sets yeah. but you actually had to know people <laughs> yeah i didn't and the way i started was a lot more lame um in the late 90s MTV still had some heavy music ah, and right. you know it, if you like it you start just digging a bit more into it and then after MTV Napster came along yes and you could look for those songs and listen to them over again and find some more and then you know, just slowly find new music so that's that's more or less how I started listening yeah yeah it was actually similar for me it wasn't MTV it was Viva which was like German MTV oh, we also had Viva yeah both. So when, you watch MTV and when they were playing that Britney Spears songs for the fourth time you just you just swap zap to over to viva yeah. and then you go back when you don't like the song and it's going yeah. back and forth for the whole day yeah my, my, but my like first interaction was just the older guys in the locker room when i was playing hockey it was just like i start playing with the older guys and just blasting uh i think it was limb biscuit and like other slip canal, like new new metal yeah. um, that age the yeah. 90s kid early 2000s late 90s so, 99 yeah. 2000 corn there was yeah. uh I think one of the first earliest songs that I remember uh, that was Papa Roach, but would that be considered metal? Uh, Which one? Papa Roach. Uh, this yeah, is my last resort. Yeah. <laughs> new, new, new metal, yeah. Okay. yeah it's from that time. Yeah. That was super popular. Like uh, we used to play that music, you know, for the university annual day and stuff like that. And that was like the sign of rebellion because you have like the regular regional music that you play, you know, as background for all of the programs happening, and then someone would sneak this in. And we'd be like, this is the last resort. <laughs> so, I mean, so in, the, in that way, 
like that's how metal has been for us you know it's like hey you know fuck the system <laughs> and that's that's how it was yeah uh, but then i dare say like in slovakia and in italy um the metal scene has already it's been fairly entrenched for decades right yeah yeah if yeah. you say so i mean it kind of grew with the i mean the whole western music scene at least okay. english language music is is very it's fairly connected right the, simply i guess because of the fact that bands tour all those countries yeah i mean it's just part of the economics of gigging you go to europe and you stop in every capital because you can just drive over in a van and you know everywhere you go you're gonna find two three hundred people yeah are yeah. willing to go and it just feeds into the movement and, and i guess that that's the main challenge here um in singapore that if you want to put singapore on a on a tour or you have to fly in and fly out it's not the same cost as you know driving in and driving out into a city um so you know gigs are very expensive expensive exactly gigs are very very expensive and and it's a bit unfortunate what happened with covid because i think in the last couple of years even even three years you were starting to have big acts metal acts who were putting singapore on the map in the past they would either tour japan and then go to australia yeah but now singapore was starting to become the the mandatory stop in between the tour japan they got to singapore and it was never a very large crowd i mean for let's say for a big metal band you can get maybe okay forget about metallica okay but for a, those are really big yeah those, 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 those are not even you know normal bands anymore but you take a, a band that would get maybe five six hundred in europe we'll get 100 here 100 people yeah like our noir had like 20 people and they were all from malaysia <laughs> and no, but i'm the, talking the, you know when we, in, we went to see opeth for example oh yeah, yeah and that was crowded because they had to cancel the hong kong gig so you had all the hong kong crowd c- coming in plus the singapore crowd and, lot, and there must Aussies, have been like, like there's yeah. a lot of aussies living here and still less than 200 Aussies. people yeah. and opeth can pack 1000 easily in europe yeah for sure but Opeth is a fairly big band. I wouldn't yeah. call that like underground or anything. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. That kind of band can get at most, let's say, 200 here, um, which is still, you know, it came a long way. It, it wasn't always like that. But um, you know what's attracting a lot of people here? Acts like Baby Metal, like this stuff from Japan. And uh, what was the other one? Love Bites. It's like ladies playing uh, like trash power metal. And uh, they just get like this weird... Uh, crowd similar to baby metal i guess if you like baby metal it's similar so you know both of them and uh i just discovered this band by accident recent recently when you were like a couple months ago and apparently they played in singapore already just pre-covid they opened for judas priest oh really yeah here uh i remember because it was my birthday last year oh, okay. i didn't didn't go i had other things to do never been a big fan of judas priest <laughs> i saw them once but yeah it was last year so yeah. i mean for those who don't know like what exactly is baby metal oh man because <laughs> <laughs> all i know is like you know girls dressed in you know frilly clothes the problem and... <laughs> is that how can we explain this in a way that you know like, still you know if, if you know allows what... you to publish your podcast <laughs> without too many restrictions uh, it's basically like i'll put the explicit tag <laughs> I, I i put some uh, like effort into this i i like uh like underground music, extreme music, like the noise grind, grindcore, porno grinded kind of stuff. And Japan was always like where this uh, kind of culture thrived. And uh, also in Japan, what they have is like very obscure, hidden underworld of the pop idol groups. Like you got the big ones, the AKB48 or something. 
and uh also you got the underground ones with like you know they have like dedicated 100 200 fans and they buy all their merch and that's basically how they like stay alive business-wise so this was this one guy and they tried different combinations of everything and this this one guy who came up with baby metal he just struck gold like he, he just just like playing with different formulas it's like okay let's try like you know trash death metal riffs with uh you know three girls singing just j-pop to it basically and it worked people people loved it and they put a lot of production to it from the beginning so it like gained, gained track, traction through that and it's just crazy biggest yeah, group I, right now yeah and i also feel that like especially in singapore there is a love for um everything japanese like so there's like a strong affinity for a lot of japanese culture and stuff like that so maybe that also played a part yeah for uh, sure so uh, I, I don't know. I was just introduced to Baby Metal like at your home and you showed a couple of videos and I'm like, <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, for me, it's it's not something I, I would listen to like uh, as my jam, but if they play here in Singapore again, I want to see the show live because apparently yeah. the show is fucking amazing. So like the amazing spectacle and like the, the music is not offensive to me. It's just not like something I would like play on my day off or something so so you're saying that i mean are you saying that like spectacle is a big part of uh baby metal and by extension is spectacle a big part of metal yeah like the met, met, metal fans or some groups even they would uh like, they hate when like they have like pop groups or other genres music is like yeah it's all gimmick and you know bullshit but i think metal is like most gimmicky genre of them all <laughs> especially if you go to like black metal you know you have to war paint and like uh dead goat heads on on stakes and you know reverse crossed and flame shows and whatnot Th those are the gigs that attract the most uh crowd or like the, the largest crowds so like th th it's just like big hypocrisy like ah, it's not music it's just all <laughs> fucking gimmick uh k-pop man it's just like they, they they look fake you know they faked it and whatnot it's just like look what you are listening to man it's like fucking you know bloody goat head on a stage <laughs> yeah but i mean at least all the uh the, the props and gimmicks they're using are kind of is it tied to the message you know they're tied to the anti-establishment um, anti-religion anti-politics no, i just want to be cool no, but they don't want uh, to be cool as, as it's kind it's of an aesthetic that yeah. evolved and then kind of you know became associated with a certain part of metal like you said yeah, yeah. In black metal you will have dead goats on stage and you know crosses upside down and that's just part of black metal and not, not everybody does it yeah. not, not, not everyone does it some people don't do it because they don't care some people don't do it because they cannot afford it but they wish that it is <laughs> uh and it, it's not you know again a, a mandatory thing tons of band that literally zero props um but yeah it, it's, it's definitely part of the you know the the album cover at artwork yep. uh, the, the posters when you go to the gigs uh the merchandising the t-shirts that they, they sell and all the, of that the fonts even you know there's a specific yeah. you know fonts that's being used um that's kind of the casual understanding of metal in in singapore and in general so it's like metal is like oh this is you know anti uh christian or anti-religion it's you know satanic and all that stuff and i think what we saw what we saw last year uh, when Watain was cancelled, it was essentially like, you know, feeding into like uh, the idea that was being pushed put forth was that, you know, this is like a satanic band. And I think it was it like I keep uh, forgetting what were the details of it? Was it because it was a metal band or was it because they actually did some bullshit? No, like, I mean, Watain is, is notorious in the scene for okay. overplaying this card. Right. And they sort of made their name in the scene by 
overplaying the sort you know outrage card with religious people and yeah, they, they look for controversy and, that's yeah, their and, marketing and they kind of look for it so i don't think Wotani is a good example because they are there are not many bands like that who, who do it in a way that is calculated okay and we probably don't even believe in it but they do it to to get a little bit more fame and it's kind of you know clickbaiting people into, into, into the band uh, so in that particular case i think it was it was the band who actively looks for that kind of reaction right and i mean in singapore they got they got cancelled yeah, they were so probably I... not happy about it but they they get cancelled several times a year and that's part of their thing and it makes them look even more edgy because hey we got cancelled yeah the and then more kids sell listen more to them in and, europe you know. <laughs> we yeah. got cancelled in singapore come to see us in london <laughs> i mean that's a great marketing shtick yeah right? of course <laughs> uh, but here's the thing though like so but, but that's how, yeah. for example i would say from at least many people i know in the scene have no respect for them because it's not something I would say that's common as yeah. scene. Uh, some people do it, but with a bit more tact. Like, you know, they're kind of on the edge. Yeah, they're overplaying it, but still, there is still such thing as, you know, having a little bit of consistency and trying to stay true to what you're trying to say, tell with the music and, and with, the, with the lyrics, whatever you can understand in the lyrics, uh, and not just package it as a product and sell outrage. That's not something that's very common. So um, about Watain, what was interesting for me was that, you know, a lot of local metal bands, you know, came out and they were, uh, you know, in support of Watain and generally, you know, shitting on the person who uh, started the petition. So what I then realized was that, oh, so there are a ton of metal bands in Singapore, which is something that I didn't know, right? So it took this controversy for me to go like, oh, okay, that was a thing. Because like, I kind of like always thought that metal was non-existent here but then yeah but of happened. course because from, from their perspective no matter it's not about what it's about they realize that the singapore government doesn't know why what pulls these kind of marketing tricks but the result for the bands here is that they will get fewer places to play it's going to be harder for them to book gigs and you know it's just going to affect the scene so you know it's not about botanic itself it's like yeah, well, hey okay. i'm trying i'm trying to grow the scene here and suddenly these fuckers are coming along and getting cancelled which means that next time every time a, a local band starts playing then any kind of religious zealot can just stand up and say hey i don't want them to play so it kind of creates oh, a, a precedence case right i, I uh, see it as a double-edged sword like what do you say i agree with but on the other hand when you have like educates who are like hey i i you know I, I don't want to be you know mainstream or whatever this is kind of uh you know thing i'm looking for let's oh, yeah, uh, let, let, let me look into it and yeah, listen yeah. to some metal bands from I mean, here in you, singapore you might have they might have some fans, fans. you yeah, might yeah. get more fans from to basically by talking about it on one side you get more fans but on the other side you have the legitimate concern of well, these guys are screwing up the scene <laughs> yeah for you know, sure. and, and, and i'm supposed that that's why bands sort of rallied, rallied again around this, okay. this cause not i don't think anybody really wants to defend what in the metal scene Nobody <laughs> I, cares about okay, I didn't i didn't think of that angle but yeah, but I guess it's about the maturity of the scene. Like people in Europe or in the in US in the West in general are used to this kind of stuff, and like the the general public just doesn't care anymore because they know it's like the video games. They they already know like playing Doom or killing people in GTA just don't make you serial killer. Same with the music. Whereas here in Singapore, it's like new and like uh, looks evil, and we don't really know much about it. Yeah. So let's let's be more careful how how we approach this. And Singapore is notorious to just like straight out ban everything they don't know. So, yeah, I mean that's that's probably <laughs> that's like preemptive banning. But yeah. it's like the authorities here, especially uh, you know, take a 
pretty um, hardline stance when it comes to uh, you know sensitive messaging, yeah, especially with regards to religion. Abundance uh, of caution. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. But almost if you if you go to those gigs, you can't understand what they say anyway. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. It, it's it's really because you know, Watain makes sure that the names of their songs are particularly outrageous and that probably because because what they have to do as a band's coming into singapore they have to to submit their their set list to the regulator okay and all the the songs and, and the lyrics are, are submitted through to the regulator who says okay you cannot play this particular song and you have to skip the song uh, and there's always a negotiation and, and it doesn't have to be you know black metal there's even very um you take any kind of mainstream pop singer if they have a song that is a bit leans a bit too much towards homosexuality for example they might not be allowed to play it in singapore that's, and, and that, that's, that's a very true. common thing now of course if, if you read Watain's lyrics it's pretty clear that they would get true uh, but but it is a, a broader situation in the music industry and not only in singapore but in, in the majority of countries in the world yeah like us went through this phase like decades ago that's the parental advisory thing that happened because yeah. of metal in the 90s or 80s even wasn't that what happened in Norway too? Um, the documentary that we watched was essentially about that, right? Like, um, yeah, but that that was extreme. It was just like fairly small group of people going insane, but it was fairly isolated. Like nowhere else in the world, nor even in Norway itself, no one really followed up on like burning churches and murdering each other. There was just like group of people who like hyped each other unsupervised teenage angst that's like derailed to complete extreme it's it's like unique situation it, it's cool story people are like yeah, yeah you know <laughs> it's funny black metal yeah I worship the devil but no one really wants to kill their friend or burn a church <laughs> yeah that's fair but like since we're talking about you know a certain moral angle that discourages uh, the metal scene in singapore it's very different in let's say uh, malaysia or indonesia yeah so i'm just curious to understand why yeah like the difference i would say is the religion or like the the how seriously the religion is being taken in malaysia for example or he, even here in singapore as opposed to europe europe is very liberal in that sense like if it's if it's very secular whereas you know Ma malaysia you've got the religious police and stuff like that so i imagine uh, the, the that plays major role in how it's black metal or music like that or entertainment like that perceived by but, general public or, but at or the government. same time like metal is super popular in in malaysia and indonesia right at least well, indonesia is is brutal death metal is unbelievable scene, yeah. it's like a nation of metal heads and yeah i'm not sure why but it's absolutely massive I, it, you go to the same band playing here and in jakarta they play here 100 people they play there freaking forty thousand. Yeah, I, and it's and it's weird. Like you got YouTube videos. It's like it was one girl. She's she's a teenager. She's like fourteen years old. She got the hijab and you know from a countryside in Indonesia, and she's playing uh, Slayer riffs on guitar and crushing it, <laughs> and just smiling and just being happy in general. It's uh, it's it's weird sight, for, like from a Western point of view. Uh, you got this uh, distorted image from media like Muslims hate everything that's not Muslim, right? No, no, uh, we, which is, which we, is absolutely not true, Sonic of course. Years ago in Jakarta, and Mayhem were playing on stage, and everybody was wearing hijab, and you had the mosque, yeah, and then yeah. the, the prayer room just next door, yeah. and Mayhem on stage. And everyone is completely chill, which is interesting and awesome. That's how it should be.
So the music that's uh, the the metal music in um, Indonesia. But, but interesting, I would add something about you say um, yes, um, Malaysia and Indonesia fairly restrictive in religion, but metal mostly goes against Christianity, not against Islam. So it doesn't really get true. That's a fair point. For them. Yeah. Whereas mm. in Singapore, there's a much, it's a pretty large and influential Christian community. It's offended. Um, in Malaysia and Indonesia, nobody cares what the Christians have to say. <laughs> and there's no anti Islam. I mean, th- th- there are some underground bands, of course, you know, but by and large, any yeah. kind of such rebellion in metal is against Christianism because that's yeah. you know, where. Well, even where it like comes in, from. in Europe, the message of these bands usually. Uh, is uh, not like uh, against Christians or Christianity in t- in terms of uh, you know just destroy everything, but historically, church did a lot of nasty things, and the, the way they got control over the Europe was through just fear mongering, and they became insane, insanely rich and powerful through that. And like this is just like basically modern follow up, just like you know be secular, do whatever you want, don't let anyone else telling you what to do. You are a free man. Just if if you want to do that and someone else is telling you like you shouldn't, you should follow something else, just do what you want. So if that's the origin of it, I would wager and say that it's not necessarily anti-religion, it's more anti-political uh, overbearing religion. Like Yeah, yeah. Because in, in in some parts of Europe, the, the religion still has pretty strong uh, influence on, on the communities. Yeah. So th- that's that's like the main. I think the best uh, band in this is probably Be- Behemoth. Be- Behemoth. I'm not sure how to pronounce it in English, but they started as similar to Wetain, just like steering controversy everywhere. But they are now in their 40s and you know, chill out. Their whole music and uh, music videos and everything now it's about the message because Poland is like very Christian country, right? And like traditionalist and uh, you know just like follow the rules, follow the church, follow whatever the man on Sunday tells you in the church. So it's like, hey, you don't have to listen to everything. Like you can still like, if you are Christian, just, you know, uh, think about what they say. Just uh, make up your own mind. Don't just blindly follow everything. Well, Mm. there is a notion in in many places in Europe that Christianism and conservatism are very closely aligned. Uh, In many countries, even the political parties, the conservative parties are the Christian parties and vice versa. So it it comes from I guess from that association a bit yeah. less today yeah. than it used to be, but it it, it was like that for a long yeah, time. Yeah, critical thinking—that's the term I was looking for. So, like, I want to explore that political angle just a bit. So earlier I mentioned that uh, in in India, a lot of the uh, you know metal bands you know started you know just political angst essentially. It was you know uh, uh, outraged against what is happening in the country, uh, you know, uh, raging against the system, and I wonder if the popularity of metal music is somehow related to um, dissatisfaction with, let's say, uh, the state of things in in the country. And I guess what I'm trying to go with is that, is it because like in Singapore, where there isn't generally that level of, you know, strife or that level of, let's say, dissatisfaction with uh, the powers that be, uh, could that be why metal doesn't really have that kind of appeal? I think the main or like one of the main ingredients for counterculture and underground to thrive is uh, general public not being happy how things are being done and how their country is doing. And I think from five years in Singapore, that 
general public, despite you know complaining all the time on uh, various topics, they are generally happy because they know they they have pretty comfortable living here, even though they are not like super rich and have their own landed house in Santosa. They they still make everyone makes pretty good living and they are secure. They have the security like this is going to be like this. They know what's going to happen. Whereas I come from you know Czech Republic used to be Czechoslovakia part of Soviet Union, and until the fall of Iron Curtain, curtain uh, the there was no uh, you know counterculture or un underground and people were very upset. But uh, you know if they catch you with a tape from uh, with Metallica or band like that, you just uh, uh, get your ass in jail right away. Shit. Okay. So after after the fall of the Iron Curtain, like this music just flooded it and. Uh, like the 90s and early 2000s because it, it's not like that you know there is no communism we are no capitalist country and we are as prosperous as us or germany that it, it doesn't happen it took like 20 or 30 years to to get where, where the country is now and it was a lot of turmoil and people were disillusioned and whatnot so that's why it thrived and i think it's like i think it's for the whole former soviet bloc it's like that that's why there's like a lot of extreme bands and like uh, extreme fans as well because they're just not happy with how things turned out after the revolutions. Interesting. So that means that with COVID, we should hope for more metal? <laughs> Probably, maybe, yeah. Layoffs, <laughs> economic crisis, yeah. people losing their... It's like, you know, as long as you are everything. happy with how everything works, you, you just follow the flow, you go with the flow, and everyone is, uh, I don't know, J-pop, K-pop, Chinese pop here is the most mainstream stuff. So it's like, yeah, I want to be like everyone else. Everyone else is doing well. I want to do as well as everyone else. But if everything from your point of view sucks, you don't want to be like everyone else. You start looking for alternatives and you, chances that's, that's are you might you end up raging and you, like, you might end up with, <laughs> <laughs> exactly worshiping devil and, you know, mosh pitting angry, like Friday, Saturday nights. So one of my favorite depictions of disillusionment is actually this Netflix show called Agretzico. Have you guys seen oh, it? Oh yeah, I saw that. It's funny. <laughs> what is it? So Agretzico, it's actually made by the same guys who did Hello Kitty. Right? So it's once again it's animated, very cutesy, you know, animal characters. It's about this very young um, millennial red panda who goes to work, who hates her job, hates her life. You know, she gets fucked over, you know, by her colleagues. Her, her you know, love life sucks. Boss is literal pig. Yeah. <laughs> and then her only respite is to lock herself in a karaoke room and just just scream you know <laughs> it's, it's fucking awesome you know and so that's what got me thinking i'm like okay so disillusionment does play a part it's really great and it really encapsulates like uh, modern disillusionment among you know young millennials and stuff like that do watch it i know it looks super cutesy and <laughs> it's yeah, so right. good the, the, check the, it out. It's, it's, it, there is death metal music and you know addresses like social issues of... <laughs> So like there was of growing one, up, ad adulting. Yeah. yeah, there was uh, there was one episode where um, she was uh, so this red panda was like, oh shit, the only way that I can stop dealing with uh, you know work is if I find you know a husband and then I can just stop working and you know live in matrimonial bliss and all that. And then she goes to her uh, into the toilet, pulls out a portable mic and goes, matrimonial freedom. <laughs> yeah it's, it's so good it's so good yeah yeah <laughs> do watch it but yeah that's that's kind of what got me thinking it's like okay so that yeah does it, play a part it, and for sure it part plays the part like if, if if you have angst like okay i was promised to you know i'm 25 i was promised to get a good job by now because i got good education everyone told me when i finished
finish university, I get my degree, I will get a good paying job and, uh, you know, get myself a wife or a husband and start a family, I will be happy. But, uh, you know, you are in debt because uh, you can't even afford a car. Uh, you cannot afford a house in the city. You have to live either outside the city or in Singapore. It's not even an option, of course. And uh, it's, it's not what they promised you. So you, you are disappointed, upset, maybe, and uh, you need an outlet. Everyone yeah, has their own. I think that the general attitude, yeah. and oh, at least I see many people uh, being taught to behave, which is um, if you have something to be upset about, it's always your own fault. Okay. I mean, you do think <laughs> a problem is like, yeah, you can't afford a house, you can't afford a car. Well, that's because you don't work too hard, hard enough. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> certainly don't blame anyone above you because they've done everything they can for you. And, and, and you know, it, it sounds a bit like, you know, an exaggeration, but it happened to me more than a few times to talk to people and say, hey, this is, this is kind of shitty. Um, aren't you angry about it? No, but you know, it's still better than Malaysia. And, and, and there is yeah. this kind of acceptation of certain things that I think prevents a certain um you know uh, reaction from 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 coming out and that reaction is what then you know triggers things like people joining a a, a bikers gang or you know a metal <laughs> band or, or stuff like that no i mean you actually make a really good point so there's a lot of top-down messaging that generally uh you know is of the nature that hey we are doing everything for you like what do you have to you know yeah. Uh, complain about and if there's anything happening and it's, could be because, it's a you know, message that is generally pretty well received yeah. and not not necessarily for bad reasons yeah but because of that i feel that there's there is never there are very few occasions where you know probably the, the only thing that could, that could start a metal a big metal scene here is you know maybe some some good xenophobia or stuff like that <laughs> that I, will get people, people pissed off <laughs> enough to, to, to join a metal band <laughs> <laughs> that would be a that would make it for a great you know metal band song <laughs> get the fuck out <laughs> oh my gosh but uh speaking of like uh the metal scene in, in the covid times uh I mean, there, there has yeah. to be a strong sentiment somewhere yeah. you know whether mm -hmm. it's that you're unhappy with the kind of life that is prospective to you whether it's because you, you know, you're unhappy that your life is going to be you know, get a mortgage, pay you CPF and, uh, and and pay insurance for the rest of your life, or you're unhappy that, you know, you would love to do this and that in life. But, you know, it's basically uh, people who feel somehow sometimes constrained or uh, different and find comfort in joining a community, a subculture that of, of like-minded people you know that, yeah. that, that, that's that's, that's that, what that, it is that, that's one thing i think it's what uh keeps people in uh metal or other subgenres uh, apart from mainstream is the tribalism then you like that's find your own own cry that's crowd. why they all wear the same clothes yeah they go to the yeah. same gigs and that's they, why they, they, they like the, the gimmicks and symbols like uh the the when we're talking about the black metal and burning churches it's like, no, no, I don't care about that. But I like that, you know, when I see some other guy who's like pentagram, like, you know, goat's head on their t-shirt, I know what he's about and we can start chatting immediately. You have something in common and you can tell just like from seeing them apart, far, from far apart. And that's what's attractive to people because like, hey, he's my, he's my kid. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tribe, it's a community. Yeah, yeah. 
it's safer and healthier than joining a church. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Fair point. And, yeah, and on, on the other hand, then uh, like you know, when, when you have prosperous mainstream and no one has really something to complain about, like very depth or be upset about, they just want to go with the flow. So now I'm curious, like uh, the metal bands here in Singapore, like do they have a particular theme about their songs, like? What do they generally rage against? If I, I know o- only some uh, grindcore bands. It's warmer out. They, they are like now international popular yeah. band. They, they're they, probably they're the probably biggest m- band most successful one. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, from what I gathered, is just they generally just like the music, just like you know distorted guitars and making the music. They don't really have message per se, but I could be wrong, of course. Okay, okay. Because like the popular conception of metal is that there's always like a message. And of yeah. course, it's associated, you know, not the church burning generally, but it's like, oh, you know, anti-Christ, anti-whatever yeah, and stuff man, like, like that. Like, generally speaking, most popular kind of metal is power metal, and which is just dragons, dungeons and dragons, fantasy and like old, uh, you know, Viking stuff, Viking stuff, that kind of stuff. So there's like no message whatsoever. They just want to make song with like nice chants. So when you go to like Wacken Festival, it's like 30,000 people chanting the same th- stuff with the with the guys on the stage and everyone is having a great time or like dress up in like medieval costumes whatnot most the, people i know don't care about the lyrics yeah like they yeah. Li- they generally don't they just they just yeah. want to be with and even more than that, they, they sometimes um because sometimes you might disagree with the lyrics and i've had this debate many times with friends uh particularly you know when, when you get into extreme metal and some very controversial <laughs> lyrics <laughs> And there's also the question of, you know, will you listen to the band if you completely disagree with what they have to say? Either because they're Nazis or, you know, or because you you might be a religious person and they might go against, you know, what are your beliefs. And I mean, usually people are like, yeah, I mean, I like the music. I would just ignore what they say. But is it the case nowadays, though? Because I just feel that... Um... Any music that you listen to, somehow, if it has a message that's against your beliefs and all that, it's just, it's really hard to, uh, okay, maybe not personally, but it's like, um, so for example, um, not metal related, but recently, especially with all the white supremacy stuff that's been going on recently, uh, they've kind of co-opted a particular genre of, you know, that um, EDM, I think it's retro wave or something like that. So it's called fash wave, like fascism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it. It became a problem because those the folks who loved that kind of music are like fuck we don't want to be associated uh with any music that subscribes or is you know popular among a particular you know hateful group or whatever right, you know right. so uh, and i think a lot of bands right now you know have to deal with that so i don't think we're in a situation where we can say that hey i like this nazi band for the music Actually, <laughs> there, there is such thing as national socialist black metal. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it came to and, my uh, mind as well. Big ups to my mates who are going to be listening to the podcast. They, they, they will, they will know. Who oh they are. shit! Okay. And okay. Because I had this uh, discussion with them, and all of them were like, "Yeah, I like the music. I'm yeah. just going to ignore. It's easier to ignore what they have to say because again, well, they're screaming, hey, growling." Unless if you didn't pay attention, you're not actually going to. Have you been ever call, called out for listening to NS black metal without like even knowing it? Like someone told you, hey, why, why are you listening to this? They're fucking Nazis. I mean, I don't normally listen to people <laughs> around, you know. 
<laughs> I was like when I was in my black metal heyday I just like and like it was early stages of internet getting music just like hey there is another black metal band you don't really have like much information about them so you're just listening to it and you try to you know give it to other people and spread the words I like no the, man they are Nazis and it's like oh shit I didn't know okay scratch this the, one the, the, only, the only kind of embarrassing situation you might be in is that you get you, you buy a CD from I don't know, Impaled Nazarene and your mom finds it. <laughs> what's, that, what's Impaled Nazarene about? It's, 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 it's banned. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's just, and the artwork is posthumous okay. right. and you will have to justify yourself as a teenager. That's basically it. Oh yeah, I, I got uh, issues with my grandparents like when I was like 18. I was like the I was most heavy into like the the devil stuff, so I was wearing you know invert crosses and whatnot. And then we went to visit my grandparents in the countryside. They just were not having it. <laughs> and I was like, I this, this is the it. problem, you know. But, but that's fucking also church why I guess fucking you, system. You, you like these things when you're well, when you're a teenager because it, it sets you, know. you apart from you. You know, it's this yeah. thing that it's yours and your family cannot understand. You build your identity. No, mom, it's you not a face. You know, it's, it's, it's all that stuff. It's, <laughs> no, I mean, it's, 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 very, it's very important. And, and, and I guess that in the, in the 90s and even early 2000s, you still have rock music was big enough to give you a smooth transition into metal. Yeah. Now it will be much harder because now um, most of the mainstream music is not rock. It's, it's R&B, it's, it's so, neo-soul, it's um, even EDM is... <laughs> yeah, the way like out of this mumble point. rap. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, would, I would say that rap is trap. So it's, it's it's a much bigger step to get into metal from there. Yeah, but I also feel like you know, rap, hip hop, um, R and B, and all that also have this element of you know anti-establishment uh, sentiment. Well, you know? which makes it even harder for metal to be attractive, right? Because right. you know yeah, you can you find, find that find it elsewhere. Elsewhere. Yeah, that's and, true. And I, I guess those scenes have the, are facing the same situation here. Do you know many hip hop artists who came to Singapore? No, because all the lyrics are censored, because it's expensive to come in. It's, it's, it's very hard for them to tour. That's a good point, though. Although there is a big local, you know, hip hop scene. There is. Um, I, I, I'm not into it. I don't know enough about it, but I, I struggle to think if it, is, if it has anything to do about, you know, uh, political messaging or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, so um, I'd like to talk about um, the the metal scene in Singapore, like at least pre-COVID, where do you go? There's this one place in the Geelong Industrial Complex next to the Aljuniet station. Okay. Th there are two, I, I guess it used to be like just like factory room. There, there are two I have been to. One was not like metal gig, one was a metal gig. And uh, it seems to be used for like small under radar underground acts. Okay. And the, the, the op-ed where we were to... Uh, so that, was... that one is, is uh, Sled Decline, yeah. which is a kind of you know, small promoter. They run their own little um, gig room. And they have some, well, honestly, what you would consider as pretty large acts. I mean, I saw Benighted there. And Benighted are not a small band. They can easily get four or 500 people in, you know, let's say in, in Prague, I suppose. Yeah. Um, there were 70 of us here. Um, they get those kind of people. No, we saw Opeth in a shitty bar in Clarkey, but that was because it was a... some kind of improvisation last minute. Yeah, because they, they, they were supposed to play in Hong Kong. Um, they had, I think the flight had an issue and they had to find the last minute gig in Singapore. 
I can't remember why exactly. So that was a bit different. Um, there are a few. There used to be. I, 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 <laughs> I see a few, a few, to this a few, a few, a few places. <laughs> so, to, sorry to, to gigs, so, but you, you, no, there's a few promoters. You have uh, these guys like the Klein. There's a uh, there's Ravage Records who have a, a nice shop at Golden Mile, and they're they're also bringing bands in more into the black yeah, metal. Yeah, you, yeah. you know, they're they're bringing all the Eastern European bands. They have a pretty strong network there. Um, there's a few others who are working really hard to, okay. to get the scene going. That these guys pr more or less you know, doing charity because I don't think they make any money out of it. Um, but they are, they're, they're fighting hard to get the scene going. And you have slightly bigger promoters like uh, LAMC, who brought people like Dream Theater, like Devin Townsend, so bigger acts. Wow, okay. And, so but they bring down, yeah. them to places like the, um, uh, the Big Box in Jurong, right. uh, to, to, to slightly larger theaters. Um, so the, the, those are, um, LAMC also brought Opeth, a slightly bigger promoter. Uh, so yeah, but there is. Do you know something. the guys from band Demisor? No, because uh, when I was getting this cap and uh, I was talking with the obscene extreme guys, uh, it's like the uh, grindcore festival in Czech Republic, but it's like the most famous one in the world, and that's how I discovered Wormrod. They were there like eight years ago. You yeah. had no idea what they were from Singapore. What Singapore yeah. was? Yeah, exactly. Existed. But uh, and now but you're here. I, I was talking with Churby, and uh, he's like uh, the the guy behind this festival. And I was asking him, "Hey, you you brought in uh, Wormrod from Singapore? Do you know some other guys here? Like because I still you know like I want to meet more people." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, the guys from the Demisor band. They they are the ones uh, basically like behind the scene." Uh, the grindcore extreme music in Singapore, but since I don't really function on Facebook, that's where they thrive. I was not able to connect with them, and it was like during COVID as well. So okay, no, I don't more, know much about grindcore I, in I, general. I, I mean to connect with these guys once the COVID is over. Do it. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully next year. Right? Yeah. Twenty twenty four. What about that uh, place that we went to um, near the Esplanade? Uh, like, the Annex Studio? Yeah, the Annex Studio. Well, Annex Studio does a bit of everything. Okay. Yeah, it's not especially metal. Right. Yeah, I don't think there's like dedicated metal venue here in Singapore. I've, I've seen to, a Taiwanese to, to rapper there. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I mean, that's as metal as it gets. <laughs> yeah, because uh, the reason why I asked is that recently uh, on Reddit, there was a question uh, about someone wanting to know, like, is there like a metal bar somewhere? Is it um, chips? That's the closest to it, I guess. So, but then it's it's generally a bar that plays metal music and not necessarily a place where they host. Um, yeah, it's just know, a bar. Gigs. Yeah, there is no stage, but it's funny because last time when we were there, it's a shame that Bob is not here, because we went there and uh, the the way it functions there, they have like iPad with Spotify and uh, people can come over and put the song in the queue, and uh, we wanted to play, you know, you know, some blast beats and whatnot, you know, something a little, little heavier, and there was a bunch of people and they were celebrating birthday or something. With, uh, with some ladies and ladies generally are, I don't want to discriminate, but gener <laughs> generally they are not into the most obscene extreme stuff. There's, so, there's a reason why the metal seems I'm, I'm curious, I want to explore that a bit. So, like. so uh, they were playing uh, Guns N' Roses' Sweet Child of Mine for like fifth time and uh, Bao came in and he was already drunk when he came here and he was just very angry <laughs> because, you know, they, they, every, everyone gets angry and like you misclick so you don't 
put the song in the queue you just like uh, just play it in the middle of the other song and it's like oh what the fuck is this i just had my song in the queue i just playing the fucking sweet chow oh my god <laughs> but that's my favorite part of bars that allow us to do this you know it's the conflicts <laughs> that happen afterwards yeah it's like ju- ju- classic jukebox you know fight <laughs> but like to go back to what you guys said like uh, uh, I- i've noticed this too like the few metal concerts that i've been to it is of course you know mostly men um there are women but of course you know it's quite obvious that it's not uh there's not that many women there like you said that there's a reason yeah i i i guess i just guess girls generally don't um seek out this kind of like most what what's the new extreme what's the most extreme how far can i go just like my guess like the genetically they just like want to you know <laughs> Find find a safe space and thrive in it. They 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 are not as adventurous in general. But of course, like you know, I mean, do, do, do it, you it, have it, many not not girlfriends every girl who spend like their that. teenage in years in you know in girl groups uh, smoking joints and trying to run away from the police? No, you don't. But you know many boys who did that. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 The, the boys are the, the the ones who want to rebel more like, often. Like I'm trying to remember uh, the scene in Bangalore. So of course, you know, so we had some, you know, a female friends who are big into the scene also, but you know, they were conspicuous by the fact that you know there were women who liked uh, metal, and it was kind of like a badge of pride for them also. It's like, hey, yeah. we're one of the cool ones, and then stuff like that. So I've always been a bit curious, huh? Why? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like th- there is like a large community of uh, girls and women in metal for sure, and especially lately, like uh, I I took a break from like seeking new music and with the metal scene in general after i accidentally deleted whole my, my whole music collection on a hard drive just kind of took out the wind out of me and then i was moving and like grinding my career instead of like focusing on music and then i came back to it and uh now especially during COVID, i was just like looking new bands and there is so many bands with like uh ladies doing vocals or playing the instruments like you, you got the the baby metal Yeah. but the the, the love bites they, they, it's just like five girls and they are playing like really heavy and sped up trash metal power metal and uh bands like that which is awesome and it kind of worked always in japan like japan music scene they never played the uh, genre game like like hey if you listen to black metal you cannot listen to grindcore for whatever reason in japan they don't give a shit it's like you are free to experiment with anything so even the girls are more into it over there and now it's like since this music is not as offensive or extreme or perceived that way more girls are finding the the way into it i was genuinely surprised how many girls are into metal nowadays no that's a good that's a great thing actually nice nice actually it's a great thing period <laughs> <laughs> so it's like what do you think is going to happen you know going forward like uh the the venues obviously are not a, you know uh, it's not something that we can anymore. i'm pretty sure many are gonna close and we're gonna go back 10 years yeah start all over again for sure But what i noticed like i mentioned i start uh, uh started to look up more music and get more involved with new metal nowadays like Michael can confirm like in order to play music and record music you don't need expensive uh, gear you don't need experts expensive studio you don't have to rent out the studio you can just download bunch of uh, stuff into your computer and buy yourself like little interface 
to plug your instruments into and record at home and it has pretty decent quality you can do the post-production mixing so in 2020 now there's so many new releases of new music because of this like a lot of bands known and less known and like completely new bands they are just putting out so much music it's actually insane i'm not able to keep track with everything so that, that's... That, that's one upside and i believe once people are able to go back to like see live music they will be hungry for it yeah so i think that you know especially now that because everything is online and you know most bands now are, are doing like live streams and stuff yeah. like that i would assume that any uh, underground or less popular genre would flourish in that kind of environment you know because now it's like you're, you're not you don't have the pressure of having to find people who want to listen to your music you don't have to look at venues you know you can just simply well, you know you got soundcloud which works like instagram you you make a record or like record a song put some cool text in it or like the text you want people to search up and just put it out there and you will get some people clicking on it and uh, it gets traction or not but you don't need the label to you know yeah, print out absolutely spinning disc and distribute it to the public you can just you know upload your stuff you record it at home to a soundcloud yeah so in a lot of ways it's kind yeah. of democratized like you know the, yeah, the sharing of music yeah. and you can do it to spotify as well there's like service it costs like five dollars a month or something and then you will give them your recorded music and they will upload it to like uh, spotify uh, title and do like some you know basic facebook social media promotion and you can get money out of it right yeah like, yeah, yeah and it, it, you are paying just for them putting it out there and right. you are sub subscribed to their service so they are not taking any cut from anything else which is amazing like that, that's completely uh, you know derailing the the old school label model which historically screwed up so many bands so um if it was gatekeeping I, the music from people as so, well. uh, now it's actually a great time to explore music so like in terms of metal if somebody wanted to get recommendations on let's say local metal bands like what would you guys suggest you can just go to spotify and search for playlists that's like i actually don't use it but uh, i keep getting like hey there's like singapore extreme music playlist on spotify and there is a bunch of really good bands including warm rot and uh the the other one i forgot the name again i'm shitty with the names <laughs> so like i looked up a couple so Wormrot, of course is like on yeah, the top yeah, of the yeah. list because yeah. they have an international claim there is uh i the it's it looks like marijuana but it's like marijuana or something like that oh it, yeah it's so pronounced much. like that uh, i don't really remember the game. yeah so, we went together to see caracal didn't we they're not really metal they're more like bordering hard rock okay you were there at the gig right uh caracal no no i wasn't there no 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 I don't know. At the Annex Studio. Oh, yeah. No, yes, yes, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah. I was there. I was there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they're kind of bordering on Doom, Sludge, oh, Hard Rock. Yeah, I love, love that. Um, but they're, they're, they're great. They're okay. There was, Caracal. A, there was another one. Caracal, yeah, that's the local one. Um, there was um, Rudra, which keeps coming up. Um, but I do not know if it's like a Singaporean band or an Indian one. Uh, it's, it's because like, so Rudra tends to use a lot of, you know, uh, Sanskrit chants and stuff like that. So, oh, right. yeah. So I'm, I'm like, okay, this is within the context of Singaporean metal, but I'm like, wait, is it like an Indian band or is it like Singaporean band? Like, are they based here or can we like, listen you know, to them? You know, what's the interesting thing about Singaporean metal scene? There is not that many of like the the Chinese Singaporean doing it. It's always Indian, Malay, or Indonesian Singaporeans doing it. Hmm. This thing I noticed. I, I don't want to say it's hundred percent, but <laughs> like the majority of the band members and also the fans 
uh, are not Chinese. <laughs> so for, for what, what, what I notice is quite interesting is that if you look at the metal scene, you will have you know um, thrash and death and metal and black metal and um, and those. Yes, you're right. And then there is another branch. That's where the Chinese are. Okay, which, uh, which branch is it? It's progressive metal. Oh, okay, shit. Oh, and, yeah. And they yeah, act on a different right. plane. Yeah, okay. They are much closer to, to other kind of events. Uh, not more mainstream, but they don't play in those venues. It's a different circuit. So you look you at are actually uh, right. progressive metal, post-hardcore, math rock. Um, that's where they are. Yeah. But like, okay. what's, what's the separation? Like, what? Oh, it's a very different kind of music. Because, because that's <laughs> okay. music for musicians. They they don't care about political message or gimmicks or whatever. They very just want to they just want to okay. play with the tone of the guitars or their instruments and like do some crazy riffs and like purposely being difficult to play. It's just uh, like music nerds, if I can use that word. <laughs> it's it's a lot of well, virtuosity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You it's, want to, it's, it's, it's to show di- some. Yeah, there's different motivation the behind the music completely. I would say. Oh, okay. So and on the other side, uh, but you are that's right. That's not there. There's the gent, uh, prog, all yeah, that yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. But if, funny enough, it's. I mean, it's always a bit of a different scene, even in Europe. Yeah. But here is really separate. Like the, yeah. I, people I see at. At a prog metal gig, I can't recognize anyone from the from the I said death metal gig. Whereas in Europe, there is a fairly big overlap. Yeah. I mean, you have people who are gonna go and watch, um, you don't know, a Cannibal Corpse, and then are gonna go to watch, uh, a, you know, Periphery. Okay, yeah. here there is very little overlap. That's true. Yeah, that's like the, the like since since I never played an instrument until like picked up. Uh, guitar now in the circuit breaker period that's that's kind of side of the metal or music that never really like appealed to me because i didn't understand it it's just not uh it's i i would say like the the you know brutal death metal or black metal is like pop <laughs> compared to like this prog meth, uh, metal and rock well, it, it is big and interesting because enough. Uh, it because uh, you know death metal or black metal very simple beats and uh riffs but so if, you look, if you look at progressive it's, it's, uh, it's somehow getting i mean look when when i was say 16 17 um i was listening to you know you always start with a bit of kind of heavy power um i quickly got into prog metal a bit of death metal as well and and prog was always a kind of music that honestly you were almost it was the most uncool kind of metal you could listen yeah. to all right yeah it's not because, cool to listen to that because but today because if you don't know anything about music right. you just don't understand what's going yeah, on yeah no, but it's yeah. not something that you brag about listening yeah. to like, what, what do you like <laughs> what would you like to listen to you, you're not going to talk about yeah, prog yeah. Metal. you're going to say but it's just slayer right Wait, but well, but today about? today this has changed i feel that you i see many kids who you know, because making to, music became way more uh, yeah. accessible. They're listening to the um, periphery, of course, yeah. is huge, but, but all the scene around it, you can say I listen to, to to Animal Slater, and that's like, yeah, you're cool. I mean, because we were talking about this, like we were talking about this last time over the beer uh, that uh, like the music instruments and making music became so much more accessible compared to even ten years ago. So now everyone can buy really cheap guitar or secondhand guitar and an amp and just start playing at home yeah. or just, you know, start download uh, software and just use your like actual keyboard for the computer and just start making beats and whatnot. And the technical level of metal yeah. has skyrocketed. You yeah. see what, yeah. I mean, I'm a guitarist, you see what guitarists do today compared to 20 years ago. 
it's unbelievable. Yeah, because I remember in, when, in when what sense? Like what's changed? Like the technical quality. Oh, okay. Because like yeah. if you like go back 15 years ago when I wanted to start a, or like was in a band, we couldn't afford the instruments themselves or like right. the amps and the, the 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 cabinets for guitars. We had to like rent a space. And we were like, I don't know, 17 I mean, and we didn't have any money. The bar is very high. <laughs> so, I mean, for guitarists, it's always been hard because everybody wants to be a guitarist. Yeah. But, you know, if you if you had a bit of groove, you could play a couple of solos, you would get in the band. Now, you want to get in the band, there's five people who can play Dream Theater discography back-to-back -back flawless. Yeah. And auditioning for that band so there's no space for you it's extremely right. competitive yeah. and okay. so many people have amazing skills yeah and also you get like you know the ultimate top uh, or pro guitar tap or what the, the site called i'll keep going back to guitars because that's what i'm familiar with since i picked it up recently uh it, like you can just go and look up any song and it will give you like interactive taps and you can like it slow it down speed it up because like at the first go you you are not able to actually play it at the same speed so you have to slow it down so you try to you know figure out how to play it and you are speeding up 15 years ago there was nothing like that you just had the record at home or like uh, in your mp3 player on a cd and just shit how, how did can do that <laughs> and yeah. you now you can even play a video of the guys playing it and you can see what the hands are doing it's just uh, that, that like you know since you are able to learn way faster and get up to that level it's like increasing the quality of the music and, and that pushed a lot more people to a very high level of yeah. musicianship at, at least not musicianship but technicality yeah like th yeah. they are yeah many people can be very fast and very accurate with their hands it doesn't mean they can write songs you know it doesn't mean they can have a good taste but it means that the the, the baseline is very very high and yeah. that means that a the new bands can do a lot of really cool things that the old bands can't uh but b what, what i find quite interesting is that we're probably over the phase where if you look at 90s metal you had some virtuosos really stood out like whoa these guys can play way better than everybody else now every, everyone's level is so high that you probably have to differentiate on something else because you're not going to be that much better than, than the average guy you got like the because band, everyone is so good Olifia, animals and Olifia, scale the summit yeah, they, all those guys they just so play stuff that's like completely alien yeah. to what classical electric guitar music is supposed to be it's just like what the fuck is happening and and it sounds great like on the first listen it's something new but at the same time it makes like musically sense that it's like holy shit this is a good I, I like the core progression whatnot yeah i mean you can see that like in among the youtube artists right the ones who get like super viral and stuff so it's like there are some riffs that are generally widely considered to be like really hard to do and then literally two weeks later there's a 12 year old kid who's like fucking doing it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but i like it because it, it means that it's no longer about being able to play fast because yeah. playing fast will become so overrated it's already becoming overrated because a 12 year old kid can do it yeah. so yeah. what's special about it so you know we've got to yeah talking else. about the indonesian little girls playing slayer riffs at the speed which is very fast and they're like 14 years old yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like where, where do you go from there <laughs> i mean well, you go you go into a, a place where hopefully you you know you start writing songs that are yeah. five minutes of chugging, but you try to put something more interesting in it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's what I'm looking for I'm, in I'm the next five years. I'm stuck at mindless chugging and I'm still loving it. <laughs> what's, what's chugging? 
I was just like repeating like palm muted riffs. Okay. Okay. There doesn't really much to it. Very, very, very low range frequency. A rhythm that is. Just play. Just play the E string, the the low E string, and just play zero zero one zero zero one. And that like for twelve minutes. Yeah, for the whole song. Yeah. Okay. Just palm palm mute or not? A lot of this kind of music can be very redundant. You know, not not very interesting. Yeah, that's one thing I wanted to wanted to. If there's like enough people doing it, you know, out of a hundred, there'd be one person. That's one thing I wanted to bring out. Like my my beef with metal fans, some of them. Like they think that metal music is so complicated and also on like level with like symphonies and whatnot. It's like no, <laughs> some some of it of course, but like just really listen to it. Like take a time or like pull up the tablature for the music itself. It's fucking simple. Yeah, but it goes back to what Michaela was saying about uh, virtuosity, right? Like yeah, yeah, know, that, so that's it's... like the progressive met metal. It, it's that, a very small goes, yeah. part of the scene, right? Yeah, yeah. And in general. Most kinds of metal require you to have, um, I wouldn't say technicality, but you have to be fast and accurate enough with your fingers. But that's it. it it's mechanics. It's like going to the gym. You will keep lifting. You will lift something heavier. All right. If you work on your metronome for long enough and you lock yourself up in the room, which is what ninety percent of those YouTube guitarists are doing, you lock yourself up in your room. And you practice on the metronome at 70, 80, 90, 100, 100, and you get to 200, you will get there. Yeah, it's only have... a matter of time and dedication. Now, what not everybody has is, you know, a, a good ear, um, some 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 taste for arrangement, uh, for composition. That's that's different. Yeah, that's why um, most, but most of, the of guys... most metal is just about putting enough time and effort to play the notes right. Yeah, most of the guys who pick up guitar, including myself, just end up as a rhythm guitarist. Just play the the rhythm, and the the guy who actually is gifted and put the effort and thinks about the music and uh, you know actually writes the music most of the time. There's the lead guitarist and like putting out the solos in the middle of the songs and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, that, and for example, that's a level even, even the yeah, solos yeah. in metal are very seldom improvised. Like if if you if you go to do a jazz gig, they, they will never play the same solo twice. Uh, in metal solos are typically written but so i thought that was you the feel once, of the solo which is it's often and you play it note by note again and again and again every time really is yeah. that how it works because i thought like the reason why like, everybody goes you know, wild over a solo is that you know it's like oh you know he's yeah. improvising yeah you, he's you, improvising. you got like you know two kinds of bands i think in general not only in metal like one is like okay we came up with catchy riff or whatnot and it's just like overplay it and put it in multiple songs or just like a root basis of it and make the whole album about it and then just repeat it on the stage. But then you got some like really insanely gifted bands who just start the song and the solo every time is different. And, uh, you know, they, what, they what just, kind they of band are you thinking about? Shit. <laughs> uh, I struggle with the names okay. because most of the but, bands I listen to, they yeah. tend to play stuff note by note. If you go, in, I mean, in heavy, heavy metal, power metal, death metal. Fairly mainstream. Ironically, genres. band that came to my mind, which is not metal band, is Bandmate. They are like a hard rock band. They yeah. do that. Like they, they, their main focus in general is to play live, and they are so used to play live and so uh, like used to be with each other 
that uh, they, they just can afford that level of uh, musician music music musicianship <laughs> that uh, they have like dedicated segments within the songs it's like okay we are going to like little improvise here like it's, yeah. it's, the basis is still same but like hey each, the, each member has like room for the solo whereas on the record like there is no solo for example it's yeah. like okay let's let's solo a little bit here yeah. but in, uh, in my experience that's pretty marginal I guess it's just maybe the stuff yeah, I listen to the thing is I'm mostly into like death metal grindcore bands yeah. <laughs> no the, the, the thing maybe we can talk no, about no room for souls in, in general in particularly in extreme metal is I don't know about you but what the one thing I'm I don't like about the, the, the scene in general is that very often I am very disappointed at the live performances of bands. Oh yeah, yeah, that's and that there are many bands who are who are actually not, not great musicians, but but they have you know good songs. They have good songs. Uh, they put all they have in in an album. You you buy the record. It's it's awesome. You love it. Um, it's well produced. It's well played. And then you go to the gig and, and it's just not not good yeah like, well, not well, well, yeah you need to get you need to get drunk to enjoy I mean, it. <laughs> either, either they, they they don't have the technical ability to actually play what's on the record and so this is a bit off or um the sound is just not as punchy or powerful or it's not what you're looking yeah, for it comes to the speed because most of the musicians from what i gather is like in in the metal life cycle you just start training your speed as as soon as you can so you can start playing all these riffs that sound good only because they are played fast which translates to okay we actually didn't even learn how chords work yeah <laughs> but could it also be like uh you know the the venues do not understand the acoustics needed for no it's just no. venues no. but maybe what you could argue is that many metal bands cannot afford the best mixers and, and, and sound engineers that's that's, that's possible uh, but even big bands, sometimes you, you go in like, that. Yeah, yeah, it's not good. Yeah, that's that's actually true. Yeah, but at the same time, like you, you got exceptions. But just well, that's when you start moshing, and you know you right, don't care right, what's yeah. anymore. <laughs> but you know, it just speaks to like it's every other aspect of like human activity. You got people. You you can basically learn everything as a human, even if you are not particularly gifted in that area. If you put enough time into it, you can learn to do it above average and even like be successful in it but it doesn't mean uh, you are at the same level as like the, the celebrated prodigies yeah. who are doing it yeah that's that's so, to be expected yeah, of course right. yeah, just, yeah. you just keep going until you get there so right. like my main beef with uh, like the pop mainstream music is that you got so many gifted prodigies who just like got uh into the grinder of the of the business of it there's like they, they they generally want to make good music but they are forced because there is so many other people depending on what they are doing business and money wise and livelihood wise they are just have to play it safe and but isn't uh, that the same case for like big metal bands anyway like they also yeah, have yeah, the same yeah, business yeah, pressures yeah. what do you mean like uh i it mean it happens for like, sure the big metal bands you know i mean uh, well, well you you know there is big because precedent with metallica because when they started doing something else that they were already doing everyone fucking hated it yeah but it's, it's still <laughs> different because if you look at um let's say a, a bit okay extreme opposite you get a, a big k-pop act yeah a k-pop act is literally owned by big hit you know the korean yeah. firm so they are employees of a corporation yeah so they have to make sure that they they, they toe the line. 
Right, but if the... you look at someone like Metallica, it's quite the opposite. They made a name big enough that they literally don't care anymore. So do they though? Like I'm no, no, they, they they don't. I mean, of course, the, what what you see with these bands is that nobody likes. Let's say when you're forty, you don't want to play the riff you wrote when you were eight, you were eighteen. Yeah, for sure. And it's very frustrating, and it's many bands that in interviews that say that. So you, yeah, you, you're getting close to your 40s and you wrote a bunch of really cool songs last year and you bring it on tour and when you play them, the audience is like, meh. And then you play that one shitty riff you wrote when you were 18. It sucks and the crowd goes mental. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. Because okay. The, because and, 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 how... and this is the life of most bands. Because, and, because and you, it... you start hating the stuff you wrote at the beginning, but yeah. that's why people are listening to you because you know uh, all, all, all that stuff. Yeah. Because there's, that's the, why there's the many nostalgia bands. factor, man. That's why you got many bands who refuse yeah. to pay, play old material. They're like, yeah. nope, we're not playing the songs anymore. I mean, if you go to a Radiohead gig, I'm not sure they're gonna play Creep. They're like, fuck that <laughs> shit. Wow. I'm not playing that anymore. Because they're, they're sick I mean, of it. I, I would expect so, to listen I, I, to I, that. If, if I look at someone paper. like Metallica, <laughs> I would think that they have played those songs so many times that they just needed a and break. When I was on the Aura Noir gig here, like I was looking forward to my favorite song, Conqueror, from them. And uh, like through the half of the set, people was like, hey, when are you going to play the Conqueror? Like, yeah, we are not playing Conqueror anymore because uh, we wrote it like 30 years ago and we are now old fucks and we are not able to play as fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, or, or we, you know, we just don't like it anymore because yeah. that's, not, that's not us anymore. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. But I guess, I mean, if you're that big enough, you get to have a say in that, right? right. It, okay, maybe no, you get to have a say, but this, these are your fans. That's what they like, what you're going to do. Yeah. How many are you going to give your fans what they like? Yeah, it depends on your relationship with the fan base. Yeah. If, if you are playing true. for the fans or you are like, want to play what you want, and you have fan base large enough that you don't, you don't give a shit about losing revenue or whatnot, it's like, okay, we, we, we are sick and tired of this shit. This is what are we playing now? You like it or hate it? We don't care. Yeah. And there are like people who is like, okay, they have integrity. We like that, and we are, and therefore oh, like so the new the stuff. So they're like, yeah, oh, yeah. They don't give a shit. That, yes. That's like the fan mentality. It's just like really weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work that way for K-pop at least. <laughs> yeah. Because K-pop is not old enough, or like actually is, but like it became popular very recently. So the fan base is not old enough. Um, do you have any? Um, recommendations for someone who wants to know more about the the metal scene in singapore warm rot is one i, I guess ne networking you know look, look at facebook as i said that you got the uh, on spotify you can search like specific singapore extreme music playlist that's a good start and like those bands are active on facebook so you can reach out to them over there and they are all small bands so chances are they will reply right. you, can, you can get involved and you know if the, you forget the, a second about going, covid okay forget about COVID for a second <laughs> But there are at least two, three times a year um, some some nice events where six, seven, eight local bands are going to play back to back. Um, funny thing, last year it happened the same day as the Opeth gig. So you know how the people on Opeth, but at the same time you had, I think it was Metal World United, uh, which is a kind of a global event where every participating city in the world organizes as like a mini festival with a bunch of local bands, which is really cool. Um, this happens once a year. The few other gigs where whenever there's a big name coming, they get four or five local bands to uh, to come a supporting act. So the point is, if you're going to a gig of a 
medium-sized foreign band like when you go to watch you know people like United or stuff like that they're always opening bands and your game might be at 8 p.m but the opening bands start at 2 or 3 p.m yeah all right because they just play and and from from, from two to five it's 16 year old kids with their with their parents in the audience <laughs> well you know just, just go just go and check them out yeah if you yeah, don't like sure. you just step out have a beer and you come back in for the next band and and i think that that's the, that's the best and probably the only way to actually get exposure to those bands yeah you see them playing you, you go but to the event th you that's how, the it's, how it should be at the same time right that's that's the life, this, this organic band, life cycle yeah. and of, at least uh, you, you, new, you, you, new you support bands. them a tiny bit because yeah. you know you, you buy your pass yeah, for, yeah. For, for the event yeah. it's a nice headliner and hopefully those smaller bands can make a, a little bit out of it yeah uh, if, if you like their their stuff just, just buy a t-shirt and try to support them will do, yeah, we'll like do. The, the only way how to grow the scene is support the, the young bands so go out see those buy their shit whatever it's t-shirts cds yeah <laughs> cds uh, or just listen so much, to them yeah. on, listen to them on spotify <laughs> they, they got a few cents out of that or like at least they got the numbers out so they yep. can like hey we, we got some numbers can we can we make yeah, a so deal like, with, with I think you the or best way to you? support a band nowadays is with merch like you know merchandise yeah, is probably yeah, like yeah. Uh, the best way to show that hey you know um, yeah i, I think merch and and the numbers of like the so um thomas michaela Thank you so much for being part of this. Thanks for having um, me. Thanks, man. Yeah, hopefully after COVID, uh, we actually get to go and see a metal gig. Uh, Break some ribs <laughs> in the mosh pit. <laughs> Until that happy day. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much. And everyone who's listening, uh, this was Living It Up in Lion City.